The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. So Jesus says, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you <clears throat> so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. <clears throat> and if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. <clears throat> May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So Brene Brown, a social scientist who studies things like courage and shame and vulnerability, says that we are hardwired neurobiologically to not hurt one another. It goes against our human nature to treat each other with violence, rape, torture, degradation, and, humil uh, and, and it actually goes against who we are. And we are wired that way to protect the species, you could say. We are a social species. We need each other. We are completely dependent on each other. As long as we see the other as human, there is a sense <clears throat> of belonging and a sense of protection from a moral code that is hardwired in us. So why do we harm one another? as a species. Why do our species harm other human beings? It is the process of dehumanization. And that is the process of otherizing people that we don't agree with. In the absence of information about others, we create stories, we create narratives, we create spin zones. If all we do is listen to one side of that, there's a good chance we are being indoctrinated instead of informed. And when we get to the point of thinking that those others are horrible people, people we have demonized, there will be some who harm others. During the Salem witch trials, it was the witches that were demonized, otherized, threatened as though they weren't even human. And if not and if not human, then you can do with them whatever you want, even burn them at the stake. Or during the time when black people, people of color were lynched and beaten by many God-fearing Christian people, they could do this and at the same time feel they were living up to Jesus' words of love one another as I have loved you or do to your neighbor as you would want them to do to you, they could harm them because they effectively dehumanized them, treated them as though they were less than human. During the Civil War, the North and the South fought against each other as they began 
to dehumanize each other. In the 1990s, I had friends who had left Bosnia and Serbia because of the war in the late 1990s. The Serbians who tended to be Orthodox Christians and the Bosnians who tended to be Muslim said before the war we got along just fine with one another. But Milosevic began to tell horrible stories of the other, that the hatred began to grow and eventually the war began. Milosevic effectively dehumanized the other side. Military strategists say that they rarely listen to the talk as though it is true that it's coming out of countries that are at war against one another because it is usually propaganda to make your fighters motivated and to demoralize the other side, dehumanize the other side. And it is done through lies, through attacks, and the moral integrity of the other side. And this is certainly done in Russia war on the Ukrainian people and I'm sure on the other side as well. <clears throat> Acts of dehumanization are done with words and images. Nothing more than words and images. And by so doing, we slowly move people out of being human until we have no moral no more moral obligation to them. And so when Jesus says, love your neighbor, we have otherized them so that we don't see them as counting under Jesus' rule. When Jesus says, forgive, and not seven times, but seven times 70, we do not think it applies to them because we have otherized, dehumanized them. It is a slow movement as a society to what is called moral exclusion. This process of dehumanization is at the core of every genocide recorded in history. The Nazis used the word untermunschen to describe Jews, which means less than human. In our own politics, we dehumanize people on the other side when we use dehumanizing language. It says much more about us than the people we are railing against, but it chips away not only at our souls, but it infects the whole society. We need, as Brene Brown says, we need rehumanization. The ability to enter into these difficult conversations and still retain our dignity and the dignity and humanity for the people we may disagree with. Offloading my fear, my anger, my rage on you doesn't help build a community. There aren't many Bible verses quoted in our church constitution. Article two of the constitution states, we accept the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. But it is in article 15 of our constitution, there are some Bible verses included and they are part of the gospel reading for today. I'm gonna read it again. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one to you be as a Gentile and a tax collector. 
Now we tend not to follow this prescribed rule very often, not like exactly as it is printed. We don't, I, and I don't think it's because we don't recognize and honor it, but I think it's just because we find other ways of treating one another humanely. Treating the other with respect and kindness. I mean, we start that early in Sunday school and in, in Hall of Life, in, in school, in public school, probably wherever we, we go, we start teaching, respecting one another so that there's once again harmony with the community. Matthew records Jesus' words because he understands the human condition. He understands that there will be disagreements and that is part of being human. And it is so easy for us to get tribal, thinking our side is right and the others are wrong. You know, we are going to really get those dehumanization attacks dominating our public discourse in the next year and a half. Matthew knows about the human condition and so starts by laying out a path to reconciliation, not condemnation. There is even the good strategy of starting the process privately and person to person, and then only, if needed, bring in others to assure integrity to that process. And of course, if they don't listen to you and even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now that sounds kind of negative, as a Gentile and as a tax collector, but here's where it gets really interesting. In Jesus' day, the mission of the church included tax collectors. For example, Matthew himself was a tax collector. And so in Jesus' day, the mission of the church not only included tax collectors like Matthew, but also the Gentiles and all nations. Most famously expressed in Jesus' closing farewell when Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all of those Gentiles as well. Eugene Peterson translates the passage in uh, the, the Bible that he calls the, the message this way. If the, sinning believer, if the sinning fellow believer still won't listen, tell it to the church. And if he doesn't listen to the church, well, you have to start all over again from scratch. Eugene Peterson's translation doesn't deny the reality of differences and disagreements and of our sinfulness, but he does remind us that our core principle as Christians is unity based on God's love, not exclusion based on someone's sin. And with that in mind, the last verse of our gospel reading for today is a word of hope. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I hope that we can always begin with this sense of commonality based in love. And this hopefully will unite us together as God's people. It is a good way to begin this Sunday school year, this rally Sunday, with a sense of commonality based in God's love. Amen.